on air for our Fan for Racing radio podcast today. And uh, joining me for this show is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Excited about the weekend. We got a lot to cover before we even get to the NASCAR level. So uh, I'm excited. You'll find out why. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news. Then we'll preview the ARCA West Series out at Sonoma Raceway this weekend. And we'll include a brief update for the ARCA Menard Series and the ARCA East Series as well. Then, at the top of the hour, uh, we are going to have a guest. Landon Lewis from the ARCA West Series is coming on board. He drives the number 17 McGowan. McGowan Motorsports Chevrolet, and he's also part of the Team Hornaday uh, driver development program, so definitely looking forward to talking to Landon Lewis. He won the race out at Portland Raceway uh, this past weekend, and now he's going to Sonoma Raceway, so it's going to be fun talking with him. Afterward, we're going to update the NASCAR Truck Series And then uh, in our final half hour for the preview part of the show, we are going to preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series out at Sonoma Raceway this weekend. Uh, Then, of course, stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew. In addition to Jay and myself, Andy Lasky will be joining us. So uh, we should have a good time talking about all the hot topics. Uh, so, Jay, let's go ahead and get started with our uh, short track and dirt news. Uh, we've got quite a bit there. Well, we certainly do, and it starts with Australia's Archfield Speedway. Uh, unfortunately, done racing after last weekend's races. You can find some more information on that on Speed Cafe. Okay, then uh, David Gavel chased down James McFadden to score a World of Outlaws Sprint Cup Series win at River City Speedway. Alex Knighton uh, writes about that over at World of Outlaws. Another article he uh, has up on worldoutlaws.com is Carson Cotto taking, uh, took the ensuing debut race at Ogilvy Raceway to take over that series points lead. Yes, indeed, uh, Carson Macedo. Also, uh, Bobby Pierce opened up the weekend with a World of Outlaws late model win at Farmer City Raceway. Uh, this is an article from Mike Warren over at worldofoutlaws.com. And then the following race at Tri-City Speedway came down to a photo finish with Kyle Bronson uh, just inching ahead of the squirrel, Brian Shirley, at the line. And that's also covered by Mike Warren there. Yeah, but Shirley got the last lap, though. He won the USA World 50 at Paducah International Raceway on Saturday. Mike Warren also writes about that over at worldofoutlaws.com. We'll talk some more about all those names here in a minute, but... Moving on to the USAC Indiana Midget uh, Week. They kicked off Sunday at Tri-State Speedway as Jacob Denny prevailed. Richie Murray covers that on USAC USAC Racing. Um, On the sprint card side of the USAC, 
Jake Swanson took the key victory at Knoxville Raceway. And then here's uh, uh, there's a good look at the uh, entry list for Dirt Late Model Dream uh, Racing that's coming up, and Brandon Paul writes writes about that at Flow Racing. So everything you want to know about that race, I believe that's over at um, that's about Eldora Speedway. It is indeed, and I told you we were going to see those names that we were talking about again, and we'll get to that mm-hmm. when we cover Flow Racing here. But now, when we come to short track news, um, the Nashville Fairground Speedway upgrades are still a source of concern for the neighboring soccer team, and that's covered uh, by Stephen Elliott and the Nashville Post. Okay, and Connor Hall stood tall in the car's late model stock car touring race that took place out at Langley Speedway. You can read about that over at Racing America. And as always, Matt Weaver covering on short track scene. Uh, He's got an article on pavement open wheel racing. Seemed like a lost cause in America, but Casey Kohler has helped bring that back. That's uh, good news. And then we've been talking about this. The Cup Series spotter Derek Nealon is kicking off his 23 driving schedule in the Money in the Bank 150 at Berlin Raceway. Matt Weaver has a feature on that over at Short Track Scene. I think that's uh, a great story to cover, uh, seeing our Cup Series spotter uh, going short track racing out at Berlin. So uh, definitely a must-read. And I believe he finished 15th in that race, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so that's uh, pretty cool. Okay, uh, let's take a look at that entry list for Eldora. Uh, the first look at the late at the Dirt Late Model Dream entry list. Uh, there's a lot of really big names on this entry list, uh, and let's uh, well, let's start with. Let me go back here. Jonathan Davenport, uh, there's a, there was a film that they put out uh, featuring Jonathan Davenport. Uh, it's Watch Dirty Dollars, and uh, you can actually see that video over at Flow Racing. So that's uh, something to take a look at as well. Well, you talked about this, and that's why I said you knew I was going to be excited I believe there is just shy of 70 drivers entered for the 2023 Dirt Late Model Dream there at Eldora. Uh, That's a lot of race cars for one race, but it's for a lot of money. It definitely is. And you've got drivers like uh, uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. Jr. Uh, He's right now uh, racing in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. He's the points leader with six wins to his credit already this year. Hudson O'Neill, who has three Lucas Oil wins and two Castro Flow Racing Night in America wins to his credit, has also filed an entry. And I'll let you cover the next driver, Mike Marler. There's a couple I wanted to hit on, Mike Marler being one of them. We've had him on the show. He's had a couple of Xfinity and Truck Series starts, uh, the Winfield Warrior, Mike Winfield, as well as the other one we've had here on the show, the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler, in that number eight. 
Okay, yes, indeed. He's a winner already this year. At, uh, Mike Marler is a winner already at Eldora during the Castro Flow Racing Night in America, and he's entered the event and will be seeking the biggest win of his career at that track. And then uh, also fresh off his NASCAR Cup Series debut at Worldwide Technology Raceway is Carson Osobar. Uh, he's going to strap back into a dirt late model for the second time at Eldora. Josefar made his dirt late model debut last year during the Chasing the Dream and features uh, leading into the World 100. Uh, I know that late- slow racing there hasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, talking about Carson Josefar, you talk about a range. He went from the NASCAR series to the uh, Berlin uh, Money in the Bank race with a pro late model, and now on to dirt, uh, all within a week. We're starting to see that kind of pattern develop. Absolutely. Other uh, late model stars that are entered for the 29th Dirt Late Model Dream include Tyler Erb, Nick Hoffman, Chris Ferguson, Bobby Pierce, Earl Pearson Jr., and Devin Moran. Moran's actually looking to break the million-dollar curse that has followed the Moran family since Donnie Moran's Eldora Million win in 2001. They uh, have a film about that over at... uh, uh, flow racing as well if you want to get more details about that uh, this race uh, gets underway with preliminary features on Thursday June the 8th and Friday June 9th and that will set the stage for the heat races the last chance showdowns and the 129,000 to win main event that takes place on Saturday June the 10th so uh, there's the full uh, entry list available over at Flow Racing, and man, there's so many drivers that are listed there. But you'll get their car numbers, everything well, you need to. Go ahead, Jay. I was going to say one 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 last one to, to hit on there. You talked about uh, Moran trying to break that curse. You got to break the streak. As big, sexy Brandon Overton has won your last three, uh, 2022. And then twice in 2021, because they did a makeup race for 2020 when uh, COVID hit. So there's where you got to get the guy you got to beat at this point uh, coming off a streak of three victories. That is so true. He, he's the one that everybody's watching, but he's got a long list of drivers that uh, really want to uh, break that. So uh, we'll see what happens out there at Eldora this weekend. And you can watch that race. If you are a uh, member at Flow Racing, you can actually watch the live streaming of that race over at that website. And I'm sure they'll do a fabulous job of covering uh, all of those, a lot of different races that are taking place this weekend, but specifically the one at Eldora. Most certainly, and it's a, it's what uh, you could consider it the Daytona 500 for dirt track racing, the Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. You don't want to miss it. And then there's also, if you want to uh, head over to Short Track Scene, there is a nice preview for the SRL National Race uh, that's taking place over at Berlin Raceway. 
So uh, there's a, a big list for that race as well. That's the Money in the Bank uh, race that's taking place out at Berlin Raceway. Uh, it's tagged as an unorthodox tire combination in a race featuring both the Supers and the Pros uh, late model series. So there's $10,000 to win the showdown sanctioned by the SRO National Tour for the second year in a row. So this is this is getting to be uh, a big race in uh, short track racing. It is. I know we've talked about a couple that are further north um, in comparing it to the Snowball Derby. I think they got a, a ways to go to step up to that. But we see some of these events, like the Money in the Bank and tracks like uh, Berlin, building their reputation, especially with some of these drivers that are being entered into these races, as we saw Eric Jones pick up that Money in the Bank uh, victory. Absolutely. Now, William Byron, who is the defending winner of this race, is not going to return for a second consecutive attempt following a recent transition from Donnie Wilson Motorsports to Anthony Campy Racing. With that said, Carson Hosevar is seeking his third straight win of, in this race if you consider that he missed the 22 running with a broken ankle. Is back for a second straight year in this traveling super late model contingent with Bubba Pollard, Gio Rogerio, Sean Hingarani, and Derek Griffin. So uh, there's uh, some big names in this race. And that's what I love to see. And we're going to talk about uh, that with Landon Lewis when he comes up in our interview um, with the West Series to see this mixture um, of drivers from all levels, new drivers starting out as well as Cup Series drivers coming back, whether it be home track or whatever the reason they're coming back to these events, um, that mixture and what it provides for the fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just looking at the entry list. Are there any other drivers you want to make sure we mention on that entry list, Jay? Uh, no, I think you hit a, hit on a couple of the big ones as far as that. These others, is it's a matter of getting to know them as they build in their, uh, what do you call it, um, notebook of accomplishments. Um, we see that building w- with different drivers. But Bubba Pollard is one. When it comes to uh, super late models, been around a long time, uh, very consistent week in and week out. You always see his name in there when it comes to these races. Absolutely. Okay, it's time for us to move on now to the Arkham Menard Series West. They are racing this weekend out at Sonoma Raceway, which is really exciting. Uh, the General Tire 200 will take place tomorrow night, Friday, June the 9th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's actually 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, it will be available via live streaming starting at 6.30 Eastern, and uh, they'll be racing 64 laps covering a distance of 127. 7.36 miles or 200 kilometers. You want to kick us off here, Jay? Well, the General Tire 200 will be the fifth race of the 2023 Arkham Menard Series West season, and it's the second consecutive on a road course. The last race uh, was, fr- was last Friday at Portland International, which was won by the series championship leader, Landon Lewis, our guest coming up here in a few uh, 10 minutes or so. 
Exactly. The General Tire 200 will be the 44th Arkham Menard Series West race at Sonoma. The first race took place in August of 1969 and was won by Ray Elder. And there's going to be one Cup Series uh, regular entered into the General Tire 200 in Ryan Priest. I just saw that headline on uh, Arkham Menard Series homepage but also five NASCAR Xfinity Series regulars, and that's Riley Herbst, Kyle Sieg, Cole Custer, Sammy Smith, and Parker Retzlaff. Also, the General Tire 200 will be the 149th road course race in West history. The first was at Willow Springs in November of 1955, won by Chuck Stevenson. A little history there to go along with this race. Well, and there's a lot of history when it comes to road courses, as we've had a 17 road courses uh, hosted at least one Arkham and Arden Series West race in series history. Uh, you mentioned Willow Springs. you got Kitsap County Airport, Riverside International Raceway, Marchbank Speedway, Katati, Oregon International Raceway, Sonoma Raceway, Westwood Road Course, Laguna Seca Raceway, the Continental Divide Raceway, Seattle International Raceway, the Tacoma Street Circuit, and Portland International Raceway we've been talking about, Spokane Street Course, the Heartland Park of Topeka, the Utah Motorsports Campus, and right there in northern Minnesota, Brainerd International Raceway. Yes, indeed. Other West winners that uh, have won at Sonoma Raceway in addition to Ray Elder include Jack McCoy, Jim in solo with three wins, Bill Smith, Roy Smith, uh, Roy, I'm sorry, uh, Bill Smith has two wins, Roy Smith, it doesn't say how many wins he has, Herschel McGriff, which by the way was just announced as racing uh, in uh, uh, a, a different series uh, real soon, I can't remember the series right offhand, but uh, you're going to see Herschel McGriff out on the track. Uh, three race wins, Doug George, Butch Gilliland with two wins, uh, also Kevin Harvick with two wins, Brian Vickers, David Gilliland with two wins, Jason Bowles with two wins, Andrew Ranger, Joey Logano, Derek Thorne, Kyle Larson, David Mayhew, Chase Elliott, Will Rogers, Noah Gregson, Chase Briscoe, and Jake Drew all have victories out at Sonoma Raceway. Well, highlighting a couple of those, it was Brian Vickers, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Will Rogers, and Chase Briscoe all earned their first West victory at Sonoma Raceway. Now, Kyle Larson holds the track record, track qualifying record on the 1.99 mile 11 turn layout the West Series uh, teams will race on at Sonoma Raceway. And that was set in 2014. Larson lapped the circuit at 92.704 miles per hour. Okay, previous West winners in 2023 uh, include Tyler Reif. He won at Phoenix Raceway. Sean Ingerani, 
excuse me, has wins at Irwindale Speedway and Kern County Raceway Park. And then Landon Lewis, who finished second in all of those races, finally came up with a first-place finish, and it was really exciting, at Portland International Raceway. So uh, he did win out at DeCoin last year as well in his debut race on that DeCoin track. So uh uh, really, really excited to have a conversation with Landon Lewis coming up here in a few minutes. Well, and he enters the general tire 200 as a point leader we talked about, 24-point advantage over Sean Hingarani and Tyler Reif, uh, who are tied for second. And then you got Bradley Erickson and Trevor Huddleston rounding out the top five. Okay, Lewis is the only driver to finish among the top 10 in all four races. And when I say the top 10, that's very loosely because he has three second-place finishes along with his victory. So uh, pretty pretty exciting for Landon Lewis. And should, just a note here, should the uh, race need to be extended into overtime, the uh, Arkham Menards West, it's a one attempt at a one-lap finish. The green and white flag will be displayed together and then followed by the checkered. If the caution flag is displayed on that lap, the race is over with scoring reverted back to the most recent scoring loop. Uh, I think we talked about that this week. A little bit different for the West Series here, again, as a developmental series. Absolutely, and so, uh, you know, that is one thing that fans do need to be aware of. It is a little bit different. Uh, for this series. Now, just so you know, <clears throat> again, this race is taking place uh, this weekend, tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. Hold on, I, let me get the note here again. It went down. Uh, it will be taking place, uh, the General Tire 200 at Sonoma Raceway at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, that's local time, and will be available via live streaming over at Flow Racing. Now, you can listen to radio coverage over at racing, uh, arcaracing.com, and they also have their Racing Central where they give you live updates of the race uh, during this event. So don't miss it. It's going to be an exciting event with uh, Ryan Priest and five other Xfinity Series drivers all taking part in this race. Uh, but keep in mind, Landon Lewis beat uh, Cole Custer last weekend out at Portland, so I don't think that's going to matter to Landon Lewis. Obviously not the intimidation factor, and I think, again, elevates their game, and we'll talk to him uh, about that here in a few minutes. Um, but for a lot of these drivers, it is the track time. Uh, we talk about that, getting the experience. We got the West Series, the Xfinity Series, and then the Cup Series um, running this weekend at Sonoma. So some great racing coming your way from California. Yes, indeed. Uh, the Truck Series uh, is not racing this weekend, but uh, I know that the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, as, long, as well as the Arco West, are going to put on uh, some really great racing at Sonoma Raceway. We always look forward to it. Um, I like the road course races, Jay. They do. I know we had kind of an explosion of, uh, for several years, uh, there was only the couple, at least at the Cup level, we saw some great racing throughout the other series, and the, the Cup Series expanded. Uh, you know, we talk about that. It used to be bringing the road course ringers. That race didn't matter. It was a throwaway, throwaway race. 
but with the way the championship was determined, they had to change that. And these drivers had to up their game. And that's why you see these guys running in these other events and other series because they know they got to be on top of their game and get that experience and become better road course racers. Absolutely. Let's go through the entry list because it's a pretty long entry list, two by two. And let's just feature the drivers, their car numbers, and where they're from. All right. I'll start with the uh, 05, and that'll be David Smith out of Sydney, British Columbia, in the uh, number five Toyota. And then out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, is the 02 of Parker Retzloff. And he's driving that Chevrolet. Driving a Ford, uh, the number 88 is Bradley Erickson out of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, driving the number 86 this week uh, is Tim Spurgeon out of Danville, California. He's driving a Chevrolet. The 81 Toyota, that'll be Sammy Smith out of Johnston, Iowa. And right there out of Cottonwood, California in a Chevrolet will be Brian Comiskey in the number 80. Okay. Driving the number 77 from Northridge, California is Nick Gilanides. Uh He's in a Toyota this weekend, and driving a Chevrolet number 70 is Kyle Keller out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, looking for a better than a second place finish is the 55, and that's Cole Custer out of Ladero Ranch, California. He'll be in a Ford for Huddleston. And then Ryan Philpot in a Toyota the number 52, and he comes from Livemore, California. Okay. And uh, in the number 50 is Trevor Huddleston from Agora Hills, California. He'll be driving a Huddleston Ford this weekend. And then in the number 46 Ford is Kyle Sieg from Buford, Georgia. And regular in the number 41 Ford is Tyler Reif out of Henderson, Nevada. And out of Westfield, Massachusetts, is Dale Quarterly in that number 32 Chevrolet. Driving the number 27 Chevrolet is Bobby Hillis out of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, Eric Nascimento from Rapan, California, is driving the number 21 Toyota this weekend. Coming down along the West Coast from La Center, Washington, is Eric Johnston Jr. in a Chevrolet for BMR. And then a William Salwich out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, going to be in the number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs. Okay, and our guest coming up here shortly, Landon Lewis, driving his familiar number 17 uh, Chevrolet, comes from Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Tanner Reif will be driving from Henderson, Nevada, is driving the number 16 Chevrolet this weekend. The number 15 Venturini Toyota is Sean Hingarani out of Newport, Newport Beach, California. And Davey McGrath out of Phoenix, Arizona, going to be in the number 14 Chevrolet. Driving the number 13 Ford is Todd Souza from Aromas, California. And driving the number 9 Ford this weekend is Ryan Priest from Berlin, Connecticut. Name I haven't seen in a while, the number 8 Ford is going to be Johnny Borneman III out of Ramona, California, and then all the way out of Nagoya, Hichi, Japan, is Takuma Koga in that number seven Toyota. 
Okay. And driving the number six Chevrolet this weekend is Jack Wood from Loomis, California. Riley Earps is behind the wheel of the number five Ford. He hails from Las Vegas, Nevada. Eric Nascimento coming out of Manteca, California. He'll be in his own uh, number four Toyota. And then another, not just out of state, but out of country, Sebastian Aries out of Bogota, Colombia, in the number two Chevrolet for Rev Racing. And that is the complete entry list for the General Tire 200 at Sonoma Raceway tomorrow night. Uh, our guest is here. I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the queue, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started here uh, talking with Landon Lewis. First of all, Landon, uh, a big thank you for being available to speak with us today, and also a big congratulations to you uh, for getting that victory out at Portland International Raceway last weekend. Welcome to our show. Yes, thank you for having me. Very uh, excited to talk with you that uh, you've had just a fantastic season so far. In four races, you have three top two finishes, uh, and one victory. Uh, so that is a fantastic season. Uh, talk about how, how you felt about coming in second in those first three races this season and then, then finally getting that victory out at Portland. Yeah, we've had a really good year so far. And uh, like you said, four seconds in a row this year. Uh, you know, it's, Honestly, was very happy with it just because uh, we've been running really good. We've led a laps in every race. We've qualified on the pole twice now, so we've had speed every every time we show up to the track, which is which is awesome. And we've had a shot to win every race, so uh, definitely nothing to hold our heads about. And we, like you said, we finally were able to get the win at Portland, which is even better, and, and able to get the weight off our shoulders a little bit. And like you, like you said, finally able to get that first win was awesome. Yes, indeed. Now, you had to fight off uh, a pretty good driver out at Bay to get that victory. Cole Custer was right there with you the whole way. Talk about your thoughts as you were racing toward that finish. Uh, yeah, Cole Custer, he was definitely uh, really good, and it was awesome to be able to race against him. We uh, had a restart with uh, three to go, was able to get the lead on the start, and I uh, messed up coming out of turn 12 a little bit, and we got to turn one, and he drove on my inside, and we uh, exited off turn two, and we were actually side-by-side, and uh, was able to come out front and was able to win the race. But it was really awesome to get to race against him just because of the experience he has, and it was definitely, I feel like, a more comfortable feeling racing side-by-side with him just because I knew he had a lot of experience, and I knew that he would race me hard but very clean. So definitely really fun racing against him, and I can't uh, thank him enough for racing me hard and clean at the same time. Yes, indeed. It, it was a fun race to watch. I actually watched that race, and and uh, it was very exciting to watch. Uh, now, you're part of uh, – uh, well, let me – Paul Custer's entered for Sonoma Raceway, and you're going to be racing that race tomorrow night. Uh uh, what are your thoughts about going up against Cole Custer again? Uh, does it give you some confidence knowing how you raced uh, at uh, Portland? Yeah, it definitely gives us all the whole team confidence. And uh, I feel like we're going to be really good at Sonoma. We were really fast there last year. So forward to going there, and obviously there's going to be, I think, 30 drivers entered for this race. So going to be a big field, and not only 
we're not going to only have to hold off Cole Custer. There's some really good drivers in the field this weekend. So definitely going to be fun and very challenging, but looking forward to it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hand off to our co-host here, uh, Jay Huseman. I know he's got some questions for you. And then you'll come back to me, and I'll uh, kind of wrap this up. But I've got some other questions, too. So, Jay, uh, I'll hand off to you for now. All right. Thank you, Sharon. And I want to start again with echoing the congratulations on getting that victory. Uh, as you mentioned it, with the great season you've been having, that we, we all knew it was coming you know, you said you were content or happy with the season so far, but what is it to finally get that victory knowing that you've been in contention? It was really awesome and was able to get the weight off our shoulders from finishing second so much. But, you know, I'm really happy with the season so far because we've had really fast cars everywhere we've been. The car was in one piece every time we've uh, loaded it back up in the trailer. So it's just been really awesome. And uh, like you said, finally able to get that first win was just really good for our team, and hopefully we can get a couple more this year. Now, one thing I, I found interesting, uh, looking through your bio, and I had to do the math here, uh, 18 years old, I believe, talked about you've been racing for 14 years, and I was like, wait a minute, let me grasp that. Been racing go-karts and, and everything else since four years old, but it was all in the Carolina area. A lot of drivers come from the West, two for the Carolinas to get into these uh, NASCAR races and left. You went the other way. You were in the Carolina area, and yet you went to the West Series. Yeah, we started out um, in the Carolinas and then kind of moved on from there and, like you said, ventured out to the West and and been having a blast out there. And the racing is just really awesome and really fun to be a part of. Well, I wanted to know, I know you have a strong connection to uh, to Ron Hornaday uh, as a mentor as well as being part of that team and development underneath him. Did that tie in anything, any way to the West Series, being that that's where he came from? No, it doesn't tie into it, um, but it is really cool to go out there and race where Ron uh, grew up and tracks that he's been to before, which is really awesome and very uh, cool to me because I can ask him questions and things about different tracks that he's been to and able to learn the track a little faster with his knowledge uh, on the racetracks that he's been to. Well, and that ties into my uh, final question, Landon. Uh, You talked about racing next to Cole Custer. We talk about this with Cup Series drivers coming down to Xfinity trucks or visiting some other tracks, but especially in the West Series of these are drivers you want to compete against, getting to be in the garage with them, talk to them, learn from them, uh, on and off the track. Talk about that experience you have when these drivers come um, to race with you guys. It's really cool to be able to race against them and not only race against them but be around them because, like you said, we're able to, to ask questions and, and learn little things that they do on and, and be able to notice that um, when we're not even racing against each other. But racing against each other was really cool. And you can, like we said, you can learn from them while we're on the track and learn little things they do while they're on the track. So definitely really cool, like I keep saying, to race against them. And uh, it's an honor to be able to run up front with those guys. All right. Well, I appreciate you answering the questions. I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. I know you got to feel excited, though, about going to back-to-back road courses, coming off of victory, going to another road course. Sonoma, a little bit different beast, uh, as always. You know, no tracks are the same, obviously. But good luck this weekend at Sonoma. Thank you so much. 
Okay, Landon. I know that uh, Sonoma Raceway last year, so you have some experience there. Uh, and uh, I'm just curious, do you ever use the iRacing sim racing in preparation for any of the races? I use that a lot to go going to Sonoma. I used it uh, probably mostly all week, just pre- preparing as much as I could and just learning the track and learning. Even though I've been there before, you can learn other little things that you didn't notice the first time you went. So learning the different little curbs that could help you turn the car or get off the corner better. So definitely use the iRacing a lot to my advantage because some of these tracks that I'm going to this year I've never been to, so I can just use that um, and be prepared as much as possible when I unload. Okay. And then also as fans, uh, and we're watching the race, uh, especially for those new fans that may be watching for the first time, what uh, do you think they should watch for out at Sonoma Raceway? Definitely watch for hard racing. There's going to be really, really good racing for sure. Uh, Top of the hill is always really exciting on the restart just because, you know, you're three, four wide getting into that corner and it's really, really tight getting to the top of the hill. And turn 11 is really, really cool because it's a passing zone, but at the same time, if you're coming down to the wire and coming to the checkered, it can really get crazy down there. So that's something, those are definitely two corners to watch out for while at Sonoma. Okay, that's that's a, a really good uh, preview for, for the race this weekend. Landon, I always like to get to know the drivers, and I know racing is a huge part of your life. Uh, but what are some things that uh, maybe fans don't know about Landon Lewis that you'd be willing to share with us? Uh, probably things that people really don't know about me is I like the outdoors a lot. I like hunting. I like fishing. I like doing just being in the outdoors. Um, and, and nature is really cool to me because uh, it's just really relaxing, and you can kind of take a step away from racing and just have a, a little downtime and, and get and enjoy the nature. So. Really, really, really cool. That's something that I really like doing, and that's probably something that most people really don't know about me. I think that's really cool, so thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, also, you are the Series Points leader, and uh, you've still got some more races coming up here in the ARCA West Series. What are the tracks that are coming up? We have Vegas coming up, the Bullring. We have Phoenix coming up. We have Irwindale. We have Evergreen, a couple short tracks, Shasta All-American. So some definitely some really cool tracks we're going to be going to at the end of the year that are going to dice things up for sure just because they are short tracks and they're going to be hard to pass. So those are definitely tracks to look out for on the schedule. And like you said, we do have a 24-point lead now. So it's more relaxing, I guess, going to the track, but at the same time you have to stay at it and stay consistent like we've been doing all year. Okay, and and you're doing a good job of that, Landon. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier how the you know the Ryan Priest is going to be entered this weekend. There's five Xfinity Series drivers that are going to be uh, entered this weekend, including Cole Custer. Um, uh, and you don't seem to be phased by that. How do you keep your your composure? Uh, knowing that you're racing against uh, a lot of these uh, drivers and and even the even the Arca West drivers that are really good this year, Sean Hingarani's uh, been having a really good year with Venturini Motorsports out in the West Series, which is by the way the first time the Venturini Motorsports is uh, going for the championship there. Uh, it's mostly just because I know my team uh, are going to be 
really good and bring me a really fast car everywhere we go and bring me a really fast Chevrolet at every track we go to. So um, I think that's more rela- more comfortable, and that's why I'm so confident going into these races, just because I know we're going to be really solid, and uh, I can trust my team that they're going to bring me a really fast car everywhere we go. Yes, indeed. And, and let's talk about your team. You, you race with McGowan Motorsports. You're part of Team Hornaday's uh, driver development program. Um, I, I usually like to give drivers a chance to shout out, uh, you know, those people behind the scenes that normally don't get much recognition. Uh, let's take a, a few moments to do that, Landon. Yeah, I like to think, obviously, Team Hornaday Development for everything they do, Ron Hornaday, Kenneth Hornaday, the whole Hornaday family for just allowing me to come into their family and, and teach me the different ways of life and on the and on the track things. Also, I'd like to thank ARI, Mike and Scott for everything they do, Bruce Cook and all the guys at CRT, Chevrolet for everything, uh, Kevin with Red Source, Wiley X, Roundy with MMI. There's just a lot of special people that make this possible for me and, and make it possible for me to go to the track every weekend. Absolutely, and that includes your family, right? <laughs> your family. Yes, they're definitely a big support supporters. of mine, for sure. Yeah, they're the very first people to support your, your uh, career when you first get started in racing and everything else. I'm always uh, fascinated uh, with the kind of support that the family also provides in all of this. Um, uh, talk about your history. Are you your first-generation racer, Landon? No, no, ma'am. I'm a fourth-generation, so definitely oh been around it for a long time. I guess so. Talk about that, being a fourth-generation yeah. racer. It's really cool to keep the family tradition uh, tradition going, uh, being the fourth generation to race. Uh, my family, like you said, are very supportive in everything I do, which is really nice to have that comfort. So, def- uh, fourth generation to race, and I just like I said, I can't. Uh, it's an honor to be able to carry on the tradition in the family. So, if I'm following the generations here, your 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 dad, your grandfather, and your great grandfather. We're all racers. Yes, ma'am. And and what what the, talk about their racing careers? So my we all raced uh, Myrtle Beach Speedway. That's kind of where I grew up uh, watching my dad race when I was a kid. So I've been at a racetrack pretty much my whole life, and that's the only thing I really know. Um, so uh, my great grandfather raced at Myrtle Beach Speedway. My great my grandpa raced at Myrtle Beach Speedway, and my dad raced there too. Wow, that's exciting, Landon. I don't think I realized that before, so uh, it, it's uh, really exciting to hear that and uh, to see you carry on that tradition. I know uh, you've already done a great job. We're looking forward to watching you race uh, the rest of this season, and you highlighted some uh, specific tracks that you're looking forward to. Um, talk about know how they can follow you Landon and get updates about your career I have a Facebook it's uh, Landon Lewis Motorsports I have an Instagram it's Landon Lewis 99 I have a Twitter that's Landon Lewis 99 too and then I also have a website at LandonLewis.com that they can get merchandise or anything they need or updates to where we'll be at next 
Okay. Uh, and again, thank you so much for being available today. Uh, we are doing a podcast today, which means that uh, we'll be putting the link out uh, afterward to, so that fans can hear our uh, interview with you. And I'll be sure to send that over to uh, uh, Team Hornaday so that uh, you have that link, okay? Well, thank you so much for having me, and hopefully we can do this again soon. I hope so, Landon. I hope this uh, we get a chance to talk to you uh, uh, down the road here as uh, you continue to race out this season. So thank you so much. Thank you again. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that is Landon Lewis, uh, part of the Team Hornaday Driver Development Program in McGowan Motorsports. And, wow, really impressive, Jay. Well, and obviously being a fourth generation racer there, and I didn't realize that either, that it went four generations. But even as an 18-year-old, very balanced. And he talked about, I know different drivers have different things, but he, he said he leaned towards the uh, the outdoors. We've seen that in several drivers, uh, Martin Truex, Ryan Newman. Um, some drivers find the balance then of going to other races, you know, like Kyle Busch, Eric Jones. Um, so to see that mix, um, but just even as an 18-year-old, when he broke down Sonoma, you know, he said it for the fans, where the race or the uh, passing zones are. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. exciting to watch. But he also is looking at it. He knows that's where he's got to make the moves or be prepared to uh, block the moves or, not. you know, uh, where it's going to be attempted. Um, and the other thing I found key was you, you asked him about the iRacing. And I can't think of the driver I heard this week but said that iRacing is really the best avenue for road courses. Uh, some of the other tracks get in the feel for it. Road course is all about the different turns, and that you can get a much better uh, aspect from iRacing than maybe your oval tracks. So I think that's a huge thing for him. Absolutely. I do enjoy uh, kind of getting to know uh, the driver as we talk to them on the show here, and uh, I, I really appreciated the interview. Like I say, looking forward to uh, talking to him again somewhere down the road. Uh, but it is time for us to move on now. We've got, we're going to go now to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Uh, they are not racing this weekend, but they will be racing uh, Friday, June the 23rd at Nashville Super Speedway. The Rackley Roofing 200 uh, will be taking place at 8 p.m., and uh, Eastern Time, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. We'll preview that race as we get closer, uh, but we do have some updates that we want to share with everybody uh, as we uh, uh, look at what they're doing when they're not racing this weekend and what's coming up. Well, first off, that Triple Truck Challenge uh, streak will continue. Since its inception in 2019, no driver has been able to win all three of the Triple Truck Challenge races in one season to collect that $500,000 bonus. And that streak continues this year after Grant Enfinger took home the $50,000 bonus at Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, following Ben Rhodes' win at Charlotte. So the trip will close out, as you mentioned, at Nashville Speedway on June 23rd uh, with a new race winner receiving $50,000 or if one of the two previous winners, uh, they could pocket an additional 150 if they win two out of the three. Okay, pretty pretty cool for them. 
Uh, talking about uh, drivers racing in other series, uh, not only do the top drivers go down, but the the uh, lower tier series move up. And Zane Smith is going to make his Sonoma Raceway debut in the NASCAR Cup Series this weekend. Uh, the 2022 uh, Truck Series champion, Zane Smith, will be the only Truck Series driver competing this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's going to pilot that number 38 front row motorsports board on Sunday. Smith has made six previous career starts in the Cup Series. His was a 10th place finish in the longest race of the season, the Coke 600, uh, during his debut there just a few weeks ago. So, uh, Congratulations to Zane Smith uh, racing in the Cup Series again this weekend. Always exciting to see, as you mentioned, as they, as they move up. Now, I know you said we'll do a more in-depth um, Nashville preview, but they are going to race under the lights in the Music City. As the NASCAR Truck Series takes a couple weekends off with the while the Xfinity and Cup Series tackle that road course out at Sonoma, but then join the Craftsman Truck Series as much deserved off weekend. Uh, the truck series will jump back into action under the lights at Nashville Speedway for that Rackley Roofing 200 coming up on Friday, June 23rd. Now that inaugural NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race at Nashville Speedway was on August 10th, 2001, which was a race won by Scott Riggs driving a Dodge woo, uh, for Jim Smith. To date, Nashville has hosted 15 truck series races, producing 12 different winners. Johnny Benson Jr., Kyle Busch, and Ryan Priest lead all the drivers with two victories at the 1.3 mile or 1.33 mile track. Uh, Toyota leads the pack with the most wins in Music City, coming in at six victories. If you look at 2005, it was a Toyota. These are all the Toyota wins. Uh, 2005, it was David Rudiman. 2006 and 2008, it was Johnny Benson Jr. 2010, it was Kyle Busch and Todd Bodine. And then in 2011, again, Kyle Busch with Toyota. Now, Ford follows with four trips to Victory Lane, and Chevrolet has two. Okay. Uh, there's a, we're looking at the regular season right now, and the title watch is on. Corey Heim right now leads the point standings with four to go. It's Tricon Garages. Corey Heim continues to have a strong year as he continues to hold the driver's uh, point standings lead in the truck series with four races left in the regular season. He's a 20-year-old, and he's currently just one point ahead of Ty Majewski. Heim's points lead began after a strong finish at North Wilkesboro. He won stage one and finishing sixth overall, gaining him a total of 48 points to jump from third in the point standings over Ty Majewski and Zane Smith. The Georgia native has accumulated one win. That was at Martinsville. He also has four top fives and nine top ten finishes this season. He drives the number 11 Toyota. Uh, he can't just yet clinch that regular season championship title since there are still those four, uh, still four wins and 240 points available. Uh, going on in the uh, point standings here, Thorsport Racing's Ty Majeski is one point back. Uh, front row motorsports, Zane Smith, nine points back. Uh, he'll continue to dominate. 
Also, the Majeski has yet to win a race this season. He has collected six top five and eight top ten finishes. Smith also swept the regular season. Uh, Zane Smith also swept the regular season and the postseason championship in 2022 and has accumulated two wins and five top fives along with his five top ten finishes this year. So that gives you a real uh, good feel uh, for what's going on at the top of the uh, point standings with those three drivers. Well, one of the names that didn't get mentioned there that needs to be, and that's Grant Enfinger as he wins the overtime thriller at Worldwide Technology Raceway. After leading a race-high 65 laps, GMS Racing's Grand Infinger won his second race of the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series season there at Worldwide Technology Raceway. It was Enfinger's ninth victory in 162 Truck Series races, his first win at the 1.25-mile oval. The Alabama native also took home that $50,000 courtesy of the Triple Truck Challenge. Now, the end of the race looked to be a battle between the three most dominant drivers of the day. Here's where he ties in with these other drivers, Zane Smith, Grant himself, and pole winner Ty Majeski. Now, after a restart on lap 155, Majeski soared to second place and ran side-by-side with Smith but Majeski spun sideways in turn two, knocking Smith into the wall in the process. Now, that incident is what sent the Toyota 200 into overtime with GMS Racing's Enfringer in the lead and then McAnally Hilgman Racing's Christian Eckes beside him. Ultimately, the driver, the number 23 Chevrolet, pulled away from Eckes uh, to win, though, by a truck length. And the driver, the number 19 Chevrolet, Eckes, he posted his second top 10 finish in six races at Worldwide Technology Raceway and his sixth top 10 finish in 2023. And Halmar Friesen's racing Stuart Friesen was third, posted his fifth top 10 finish in six races at the 1.25-mile track and his fourth top five of the year. And Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosevar was fourth, uh, collected his fourth top five in a row and now posted six top 10 finishes on the year so those other guys that may be at the top as far as the points but when it comes playoff time and reseeding got some more drivers you got to watch out for there absolutely and we'll get more into that as we uh, preview nashville here in a couple of weeks now i do want to mention uh in all fairness i want to make sure fans know Corey Heim missed the race at a worldwide technology raceway and was still able to hold on to that points lead uh which is speaks volumes for uh, how well he's actually doing. Uh, He wasn't feeling well and uh, sat out of the truck out at uh, WWT Raceway. So uh, just just a note of mention here as uh, we now move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Well, that was a good point, Sharon. I'd actually forgotten about that, of of him actually being down a race, and like you said, still being able to hold on to the points lead. Yeah, so I think it's pretty amazing. And uh, now we're going to go to the Xfinity Series. Uh, The DoorDash 250 is at Sonoma Raceway on Saturday, June the 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will carry coverage starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, as well as PRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. They will race a distance of 156.96. Nine five miles 
over 79 laps. Uh, the first stage is 20 laps, ending on lap 20. Second stage is 25 laps, ending on lap 45. And then the final stage is another, well, I can't, my math is failing me right now. It ends on lap 79. All right. Well, when you get into the notes here, uh, you got to be a longtime Xfinity fan or maybe an Illinois uh, person there, Sharon. But <laughs> we got to return as Brent Sherman is going to compete in the Chicago Street Course. Brent Sherman is a Chicago native. He'll be joining RSS Racing in the number 28 Ford to run in the inaugural street race, uh, Chicago Street Race, next month. And the race will mark his 62nd career start in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, but his first in the NASCAR National Series event since 2009. So, uh, been a while, but I remember that name. Yes, I do too. And it's going to be fun to see him back behind the wheel. There's also a milestone watch this weekend. Brandon Jones is going to make his 250th Xfinity Series start this weekend at Sonoma Raceway. Uh, he uh, drives with Junior Motorsports uh, this year in the number nine, and uh, it'll be his uh, it'll be his 250 start in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and his first at Sonoma Raceway, which is kind of amazing. Jones will become the 43rd different driver that 250 uh, milestone. Uh, and Kenny Wallace holds the record for the most starts in the Xfinity Series at 547, to put that into perspective. The NASCAR Cup Series uh, is also competing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race this weekend at Sonoma. He's making his 200th career Xfinity Series start. Chastain is piloting the number 91 Chevrolet for GGM racing this weekend. So uh, some milestones to celebrate there. Well, I would I would have gotten that trivia question wrong. Kenny Wallace it leads with 547. I would not have known that. <laughs> now, we talk about the Playoffs in the Truck Series, when we look at the playoff outlook for the Xfinity Series, we got five spots remaining, but they have 12 races to go. And as the series gears up for Sonoma Raceway this weekend, seven drivers have won their way in, have won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this season, leaving just the five spots available for the 12-driver postseason field. We're just past the halfway point. Sonoma is one of the 12 races left in the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season. Now, the drivers that have secured their spots in the playoffs at this point by a virtue of win, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, Justin Algar, Cole Custer last week, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. The five drivers that currently hold the remaining playoff spots based on their points are Josh Berry at 431, Sheldon Creed, 396, Sam Mayer sits at 353, Riley Herbst at 346, and then Daniel Hemrick at 333. Just outside the cut line, mentioned Brandon Jones. He's made six Xfinity Series playoff appearances, which is second only to Justin Algar, who has seven playoff appearances. Now, he'll be looking to snag that first win of the season at Sonoma Raceway. 
on the road courses earlier this season. He's finished at the 11th place at Coda and a 13th place finish at Portland. Okay. We've got another round of doubling down in Sonoma. The competition will be sure to heat up as many drivers are looking to become part of the inaugural Xfinity Series race at Sonoma Raceway, including seven full-time Cup Series drivers. They include Ty Dillon, Daniel Suarez, A.J. Allmendinger, Kyle Larson, Ty Gibbs, Ross Chastain, we mentioned earlier, and Eric Almarola. Ty Dillon is getting behind the wheel of the number four JD Motorsports Chevrolet for his second Xfinity Series start this season. Dillon has some experience on the Sonoma Road Course. He's made four starts in the Cup Series with a best finish of 23rd that came there last year. Suarez is piloting the number seven SS Greenlight Racing Chevrolet for his first Xfinity Series start since 2018. The 31-year-old former Xfinity Series champion from 2016 knows the Sonoma Road Course all too well. He posted his first NASCAR Cup Series win there just last season. Almendinger, better known as the Xfinity Series Road Course Ringer, he's driving the number 10 Chevrolet for College Racing, and this will be his second Xfinity Series start of the season. His first was at Coda when he won the pole and went on to win the race. His 11th Xfinity Series Road Course win, the series most, and last season in the Xfinity Series, he posted five wins, four of which were on road courses. He won at Coda, Portland, Indianapolis's road course, and the Charlotte road course. Larson is making his second start of the season in the Xfinity Series. He'll be behind the wheel of the number 17 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. His first start was at Darlington Raceway when he took the checkered flag. The 2021 Cup Series champ has started from the pole or first starting position in the last Sonoma. He found victory lane there in 2021. Ty Gibbs, he's driving that number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota for his third Xfinity Series start of the 23 season. His other starts, third, Charlotte, he finished fifth. And the 20-year-old driver is making his debut now at Sonoma Raceway this weekend. Ross Chastain is making his third Xfinity Series start of the season. He's piloting that number 91 DGM Racing Chevrolet, as we mentioned earlier. And he's made three Cup Series starts at Sonoma, posting two top ten finishes. Eric Almarola, he'll be behind the wheel of the number 28 RSS Racing Ford for his second Xfinity Series appearance of the season. His first start came at Coda, where he finished 24th. He's made 10 starts at Sonoma Raceway in the Cup Series, and he's posted two top 10 finishes there. Uh, a lot to look forward to with those uh, Cup drivers in the Xfinity Series race. Well, and it's not just about the California fun, but we got more more road course fun as the California wine country is up next. That's after some left and right turns at Portland International last International Raceway last weekend. The NASCAR Xfinity Series staying on the road course uh, groove with the DoorDash 250 at Sonoma Raceway Saturday, June 10th. A Sonoma Raceway is the third of eight road courses on the 2023 NASCAR Trinity Series schedule. 
We had Austin, which is the uh, Circuit of Americas, Portland, Sonoma, and we have the Chicago Street Race, Elkhart Lake, which is Road America, the Indianapolis Road Course, then the Watkins Glen, uh, well-known ex, uh, road course, and the Charlotte Roval. Now, this will be the first time the Xfinity Series, though, will be making laps at the Sonoma, California road course, but NASCAR is no stranger to running the track, uh, at the track. There have been a total of 33 NASCAR Cup Series races at Sonoma Raceway. The inaugural race was on June 11, 1989, uh, was won by Ricky Rudd driving in a Buick uh, for Kenny Bernstein. Let me read that again. Uh, Ricky Rudd driving a Buick for Kenny Bernstein. I like that. Um, I do, too. NASCAR trucks. Yeah, I love the history portions of our notes. The NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series. Now, they've had a few spins on the road course. They ran at Sonoma from 1995 to 98 before taking the 24-year hiatus. Uh, The series made their return last season in 2022 in a race that saw Kyle Busch take the checkered flag. The Xfinity Series drivers will be on the track for the first time with practice. That'll be at 4.05 p.m. Eastern time uh, tomorrow, Friday, June 9th, and that'll be followed by pole qualifying at 3 p.m. Eastern on June 10th, which will be Saturday. Uh, Both events can be watched on FS1. Okay, one last segment here for the Xfinity Series, and that's uh, the fact that last weekend, Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer landed his first road course win. Uh, Junior Motorsports' Justin Algauer appeared to have the race at Portland International Raceway in the bag last weekend, which would have made him the first back-to-back winner in the 2023 season, but... He got knocked out in turn one, ultimately giving Stuart House Racing's Cole Custer a straight shot to victory lane. The win marked Custer's first on a road course and the first of the 2023 season and the 11th of his Xfinity Series career. It also marks the first win by a Ford driver in the Xfinity Series this season. The 25-year-old driver that winning momentum into yet another weekend of road racing at Sonoma Raceway. First time Sonoma Raceway has hosted the Xfinity Series race, Custer has an advantage over some of his competitors because he's made some laps on the California road course. He's made two starts at the track in the Cup Series uh, in the last two years, 21 and 22. He finished 20th and 21st, respectively. I've got a feeling he might do better than that this weekend, though, Jay. Well, I think so, but he's going to have some tough competition. I believe there's yes. 41 listed for the Xfinity Series. Yes, indeed. All right, we'll get right into the NASCAR Cup Series. They'll be racing that Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma Raceway this Sunday, June the 11th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coverage will be on Fox. At starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, as well as PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be covering a distance of 218.9 miles over 110 laps. Now, the first stage will end on lap 25, the second stage on lap 55, and the final stage ends on the lap 110. Let's get started with our notes here, Jay. All right, Sharon, I might need your help with this one. Uh, make sure I pronounce this right. Kamui 
Kobayashi. 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 There we go. Um, to make his NASCAR debut at the Indianapolis Road Course for Team 2311. Toyota and Team 2311 Racing announced that the famed Toyota Gazoo Racing Driver and WEC, which is a World Endurance Championship uh, team principal, Kamui Kobayashi, uh, will make his NASCAR debut in the number 67 Toyota at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course coming up on August 13th. Um, Kobayashi started his racing career karting in Japan, and after winning several titles, won a scholarship to join Toyota's Young Drivers Program and made the transition into single-seater race cars. This portion of his career also started in Japan and later into Europe, which led to him being hired as Toyota's Formula One driver. In 2008, Toyota signed Kobayashi as their third driver, resulting in his debut during the 2009 season at the Brazilian GP. Kobayashi was active until 2014 in the highest level of racing in the world, uh, Formula One. Following his Formula One career, Kobayashi returned to Japan, where he switched over to the Supra Formula Series, a class he still actively competes in today. Kobayashi also competed as part of the IMSA Series for the Lexus Racing Program in 2022 at the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park when he filled in for the injured Jack Hawksworth. Kobayashi is now a driver and team principal with that Toyota Gazoo Racing Team in the World Endurance uh, Championship at WEC. So that's, I like that. Uh, man, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am too. I think that's, uh, it's always fun to see other series drivers, series drivers uh, come over and give NASCAR a uh, try. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Kobayashi on track. Okay, we've also got uh, WWE superstar Braun Strowman. Strowman, uh, he's going to pilot a pace car at Sonoma. So the former strongman, Adam Schur, a.k.a. Braun Strowman, <clears throat> excuse me, will serve as the honorary pace car driver for the upcoming Toyota Safe Mart 350 in the Cup Series race on June 11th. For his strength, but also his larger-than-life persona, Strowman will bring his showmanship to a new arena as he enters the high-octane world of NASCAR. On June 11th, he'll buckle up into a new role as he leads the field of 36 drivers through the pace laps to the green flag of the Toyota Save Mart 350 after being recognized on uh, during the pre-race stage. So uh, really exciting to see. Uh, some of the superstars of other sports be part of NASCAR. Well, they've definitely developed a partnership, but another star that's going to be out at Sonoma, that's a country music rising star, Tiffany Woes, uh, to perform the national anthem at Sonoma. The Sacramento native and country music television's next up now artist, Tiffany Woes, will perform the national anthem for the Toyota Save Mart 350 this Sunday, June 11th, out at Sonoma Raceway. Uh, Roy was recently named a taste of country artist to watch and is no stranger to entertaining NASCAR fans. The Northern California native uh, previously performed the national anthem at Darlington Raceway. Her most recent radio single, I Don't Want You Back, 
is Tiffany's sixth charted song on the Billboard's National Country Radio Indicator Chart. Very cool. Well, another star coming into NASCAR this weekend is actor and comedian Dave Adam Devine. He's named the Grand Marshal for Sonoma. Uh, and they are thrilled to announce that the popular actor and comedian will be the Grand Marshal for the highly anticipated Toyota Save Mart 350 this Sunday. Divine, known for his irresistible energy seen in Pitch Perfect, will bring his unique charisma <clears throat> to the iconic Sonoma Raceway as he takes on the prestigious role of Grand Marshal. Now, as Grand Marshal, Divine will give the command to start engines, igniting the thrilling race that awaits. With his magnetic personality and love for motorsports, Divine is the perfect choice to set the tone for an exhilarating day of NASCAR Cup Series racing at Sonoma. Divine can next be seen in the Netflix action comedy film, The Outlaws, also starring Pierce Brosnan, Ellen Barkin, and Nina DeBrev, and that will be released on July 7th. So uh, look forward to seeing Adam Devine uh, on Netflix coming up. Well, we talked about a couple of uh, milestones in other series. The ones to watch in the Cup Series is Harvick, as he'll surpass Gordon on the all-time starts list. He's currently tied with NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon for ninth on the Sonoma Raceway. I'm sorry, on the NASCAR Cup Series all-time starts list with 805 starts each. Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick will surpass Gordon this weekend at Sonoma Raceway and solely move into ninth place with 806 starts. Just three starts behind NASCAR Hall of Famer Daryl Waltrip, who's in eighth with 809 starts. Harvick leads all drivers in NASCAR National Series start entering this weekend with 1,278 career starts. <laughs> Additional upcoming uh, milestones that I watch over the next few weeks. Manufactured Toyota is just four races from the 1,000 NASCAR National Series event uh, for the Toyota Camry at 591. Cup is or I'm sorry, okay, 1,000, breaking it down. The Toyota Camry is 591 in the Cup, 405 in the Xfinity Series. The 1,000th Camry start will be at Atlanta in July. Coming up at Nashville Speedway on June 25th, that'll be 200th start for Bubba Wallace. William Byron will hit his 200th start at New Hampshire Motor Speedway coming up on July 16th. Chase Briscoe, he's going to have his 100th career start at Kansas Speedway, um, the second race there is September 10th, as well as Justin Haley. That same race, September 10th, will be his 100th start. Hitting the 300th uh, start, that'll be Ryan Blaney at Texas Motor Speedway on September 24th. And then Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he's going to hit 400 starts at the second race at Phoenix Raceway Championship Weekend on November 5th. Okay, next up we're going to take a look at the uh, playoff bubble shuffle. Uh, Chastain, who's been at the top of the series points lead, took a drop this weekend. Bowman is outside the playoff cutout 
cut off looking in. So while Richard Childress Racing's Kyle Busch was grabbing his third win of the season last weekend at WWT Raceway, several positions in the playoff bubble started to shuffle. One of the biggest moves from last week was the winless Ross Chastain losing the points lead and his guaranteed spot into the postseason. With Chastain dropping to fourth and Ryan Blaney taking the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings lead, already having a win this season, it's opened up an additional spot for drivers to get in on wins or points. Heading to Sonoma Raceway this weekend, six spots are up for grabs in the Cup Series playoffs. Now, the 10 drivers that have earned their spot in the playoffs by virtue of wins this season include William Byron, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. The six drivers currently occupying those remaining postseason spots on points are 11. They include Kevin Harvick, who has uh, an advantage of 166 points above that cutoff line. Ross Chastain is plus 159. Brad Keselowski, plus 96. Chris Buescher is up 86 points. Bubba Wallace up 27. And then 16th spot is Daniel Suarez at plus 6. Following one spot to 17th after a 26th place finish, at WWT Raceway last weekend is Alex Bowman. He's six points back from defending Sonoma Raceway winner Daniel Suarez, who sits in that 16th spot. That's the final transfer spot to be in on points for the playoffs. The rookie, Ty Gibbs, in 18th. In the playoff outlook, he's 15 points back from Suarez. Currently, five drivers that make the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs last season that are below the cut line this year include Alex Bowman in that 17th spot, six points back. Austin Sendrick sits 19th, 33 points back. Chase Elliott is 27th at 97 points back. And Austin Dillon in that 29th spot at 113 points back. Chase Briscoe sits 31st at 138 points back. So those drivers are going to be looking in the second half of the season. Uh, They want to improve their uh, situation by moving forward. Well, and that could shuffle at Sonoma this weekend as we got good road course racers, Chase Elliott. Daniel Suarez won there last year in Chastain. No slouch when it comes to road courses. So this weekend is going to be very interesting. NASCAR is going to run the road course and selected short track uh, package at Sonoma. NASCAR announced this season updates to the components of the NASCAR Cup Series for races held at road courses and short tracks, excluding Bristol and Dover. The road course and selected short track package consists of the following, which is a two-inch spoiler, removal of the engine panel strakes, Remove the center and inner diffuser strakes. Uh, Only the outer diffuser strakes will remain installed. Uh, Spacers will be installed between the diffuser flap and the diffuser due to the removing of those inner diffuser strakes. Also remove the diffuser fences and replace with them baseline fences. The splitter stuffers will remain unchanged from the current components. 
Uh, these rules are uh, in place at the following tracks, which will be the Charlotte Roval, Chicago Street Course, Circuit of the Americas, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, Martinsville, New Hampshire. Uh, it was at, in fact, at North Wilkesboro. And then Phoenix, Richmond, Sonoma, and then Watkins Glen as well. Okay. Also, uh, we mentioned it earlier, the defending Sonoma winner is Daniel Suarez. He's certainly going to be looking to go back-to-back this weekend. Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez now returns to Sonoma to defend that win last season and try to become just the third driver in Cup Series history to win consecutive races at Sonoma. If he does so, he would join NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who had three straight victories there from 1998, 99, and 2000. Joe Gibbs Racing driver Martin Truex Jr. had uh, back-to-back wins uh, in 2018 and 19. Now, Suarez, who hails from Monterey, Mexico, became just the second driver in Cup Series history to earn his first career win in the series at Sonoma Raceway, joining Bogota, Colombia native Juan Pablo Montoya, who did it in 2007. Now, last season, Suarez led 47 of the 110 scheduled laps, which represents 42.7% of the race at Sonoma, and won that Cup Series race from the eighth starting spot. With that victory, Suarez became one of 41 different drivers all time to have won in all three of NASCAR's National Series. Keep an eye on the number 99 this Sunday because in five series starts at Sonoma, Suarez has put up one win last year, an average finish of 12.2, the best among active drivers, with more than one start. So Sonoma could be uh, one of the unthought-of picks for this weekend. Well, it certainly could be, but uh, that list of road course aces is a lot bigger now, so something to watch in California this weekend um, when we arrive at Sonoma Raceway, the Cup Series has a baker's dozen, 13, of former road course winners entered in the Toyota Save Mart 350. Five of them are looking for their first win of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season. Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, A.J. Allmendinger, Ross Chastain, and just talked about defending Sonoma winner Daniel Suarez. Three new drivers were added to the NASCAR Cup Series road course winners last season, including 2311's racing Tyler Reddick, earned two road course wins last season, driving for Richard Childress Racing at Road America and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. And then also Trankhouse Racing's teammate uh, Ross Chastain, who won his first career Cup Series race at Circuit of the Americas. And then Daniel Suarez, who earned his first career victory Cup Series victory at Sonoma Raceway. And break it down. Uh, the active road course winners at 13. Chase Elliott has seven. Two coming at Watkins Glen. Two at Charlotte. One at Daytona and one at Coda, as well as Road America. Kyle Busch is next with four, with two at Sonoma and two at Watkins Glen. Martin Truex has four as well, but his is three to one, Sonoma versus Watkins Glen. Kyle Larson, his is at four. He's got two at Watkins Glen, one at the Charlotte Roval, and then one at Sonoma. Tyler Reddick mentioned his three at Indy, Coda, and Road America. K. 
Kevin's Harvick's, Sonoma and Watkins Glen. Got a long time, those are the only two road courses on the uh, circuit. A.J. Allmendinger, his is uh, Watkins Glen and then Indianapolis Road Course. Where's Christopher Bell? His is the Charlotte Roval. I'm going to scroll back up to the top for the other one. Uh, Daytona. Oh, yeah, the Daytona Road Course. And then Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, and Ross Chastain each have one, one apiece. Uh, let's see. Ross Chastain's came at Circuit of America with Daniel Suarez out at Sonoma. Denny Hamlin's is at Watkins Glen. Ryan Blaney's was at the Charlotte Roval. And Joey Logano out in New York at Watkins Glen. Of the five former road course winners entered into this weekend, looking for that first win of the year, Chase Elliott is most likely have the biggest spotlight focused on him Sunday. The 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Elliott has been sidelined twice this season from the injury, uh, from injury for six races and then a suspension for one race. He's returning this weekend, needing to win to make the playoffs this year. Elliott leads all active drivers in road course wins with seven and talked about them. Although Elliott hasn't won at Sonoma, he's made six series starts posting two top fives and four top tens. An average finish at Sonoma is a 13.3. Plus, he's got some stout pre-race loop data stats as well. The average running position, 11.474, which is second best. Driver rating, 97.6, second best as well. Fastest laps run is eighth best at 27, and laps in the top 15, 410 laps, or 65.9%, which is 11th most. Though uh, Elliott undoubtedly will be a force to contend with this weekend, the remaining four drivers are former road course winners uh, looking for their first win of 2023. Nothing to sneeze at. Defending winner, Daniel Suarez. Five starts at Sonoma, posting one win, average finish at 12.2, which is best among active drivers with more than one start. Suarez has led 47 laps on the 1.99-mile track. His teammate at uh, Trackhouse Racing, Ross Chastain, he's got three starts at Sonoma with two top ten finishes, including a seventh-place finish at last season's race. College Racing's A.J. Allmendinger, always a contender for the win when the Cup Series competes on road courses. He's got two Cup Series road course wins, but also the all-time most road course wins in NASCAR Xfinity Series with 11 of 16 career wins coming on those road courses. Allmendinger's got 11 starts at Sonoma with two top 10 finishes. And last but not least is uh, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. He'll be competing at Sonoma Raceway for the final time this weekend. He announced his retirement from full-time racing at the end of the year. In his illustrious career, though, Arvik already has put up two road course victories in the NASCAR Cup Series, in Sonoma in 2017 and Watkins Glen in 2006. In total, he's made 21 starts at Sonoma, got that one victory, seven top fives, and 11 top tens. Okay. With Sonoma next up on the Cup Series, get your wine glasses and corkscrews out corkscrews out. It's time for Sonoma, California, the wine capital of the United States for the Cup Series. Toyota Save Mart 350 on Sunday. Uh, now, 
<clears throat> this weekend's race is the 16th of the season, the second of six road courses on the schedule. And uh, let's see here, 23-11 Racing's Tyler Reddick took the first road course victory of the year at Circuit of the Americas back in March. Now the Cup Series heads to Sonoma to battle it out on the 1.99-mile multi-elevational road course for the 34th time in the series' history. They opened the 2.5-mile, 2.52-mile uh, multi-elevational paved road course and drag strip in, strip in 68. And over its existence, the 12-tier facility has held a few different names. They called it Sears Point Raceway, Sears Point International Raceway, and Infineon Raceway before being named uh, Sonoma Raceway. The first Cup Series race at Sonoma was held in June 11th of 89. Again, was won Ricky Rudd in that Buick owned by Kenny Bernstein. Rudd ran the race at an average speed of 76.088 miles per hour and led 61 of 74 of the scheduled laps for eight. Over the years, the format and track configuration has changed at Sonoma. The first nine Cup Series races were 300 kilometers and then switched back to 350-kilometer format in 98. The track was reconfigured to 1.949 miles in 98 with the installation of the 890-foot chute between the original the track was then reconfigured to the two mile 2001 in 2001 and measured 2002. In 19 and 21, the track was reconfigured back to the 2.52 mile configuration with laps being, with races being 90 laps or 226.8 miles. Then last season, Sonoma returned to the track configuration back to the 1.99-mile configuration with the return of the chute. There have been 33 Cup Series races at Sonoma since the first race there in 89, one race per season until the 2020 season. Due to the pandemic, the series did not compete in that year. 33 Cup Series races at Sonoma have produced 18 different pole winners, 21 different race winners, including NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who leads the series in both poles with five and wins also five uh, at Sonoma Raceway. In the 18 different pole winners of this, at Sonoma, there are three active this weekend, led by Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson, who holds four poles, A.J. Allmendinger and Joey Logano each hold one. Active race winners are Martin Truex, who leads the way with three, Kyle Busch with two, Daniel Suarez, Kyle Larson, and Kevin Harvick all have one. The on-track action begins for the Cup Series at Sonoma Raceway on Saturday, June 10th from 5 to 7 p.m. ET with practice and Bush-like pole qualifying uh, on Fox Sports Two, And let me just say this, with three wins for Kyle Busch this year, it looks more and more likely that he's going to be a very strong championship contender um, for the rest of this season. But we are at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining us is, of course, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. 
Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here today. Well, it's good to have you here, and uh, we're ready to get right into it. Uh, what do you have for our first hot topic here today? Uh, the first one, which is one that we alluded to on um, the previous show this week, is that Austin Sindrick will not be penalized for his contact with Austin Dillon in the race at Gateway last weekend. Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I know, uh, Andy, uh, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, really didn't feel there should be, and I think NASCAR made the right call. And, and we've all talked about this. Uh, you know, there's times where NASCAR needs to step in without a doubt, uh, and we've seen they will when they have to. But I think this was a case of, a case of maybe um, drivers saying, hey, somebody got out of the car, cried wolf, and said, hey, he wrecked me, suspend him, and it worked. Uh, this wasn't the case, and I don't think it needed to be. There's going to be hard racing. Uh, there are going to be some uh, fender bump, bumping and rubbing. Uh, that's what's part of NASCAR. You know, we, we can't see that in open wheel or other series uh, based on that. That's part of what NASCAR has been built upon. Do I want to see somebody wrecking somebody every week or, you know, intentionally? Certainly not. And I think there's a very uh, specific when it comes to the right rear hook, as I talked about, especially at your high-speed tracks, because um, that's a, a huge difference. Not that it's a safe or a good thing at any time, but it's all going to be circum, uh, circumstantial, and NASCAR is going to look at each one individually. And in this one, uh, there was nothing to look at, in my opinion. So I think it's a done deal. Yeah, this was a lot of smoke and screen, as far as I'm concerned, with regard to Austin Dillon making that uh, call or RCR. Uh making that call that they felt a penalty was justified. The SMT data uh, did not back that up. Uh, I saw that SMT data, and it was very clear uh, that Austin Sendrick held his line, did not make any turns uh, into Austin Sendrick, and the only car that actually did make a turn uh, and kind of it looked like he got loose was Austin Sendrick. So I'm sorry, not Austin Sendrick, Austin Dillon. Too many Austins in this story. Um, Austin Dillon was the one who kind of made that turn. <laughs> Excuse me, I got the hiccups there for no reason. Um, so I I really think that it was the right call by NASCAR. The SMT data backed it up. And uh, the concern is that we're going to have drivers every week now uh, calling uh, for somebody to be suspended or penalized. And uh, I think that uh, NASCAR definitely made the right call and hopefully closed the Pandora's box when it comes to that because I, I don't think that's what we as fans uh, want to see every week is, is drivers calling for somebody to be penalized. There's a difference between uh, making that egregious uh, hook into another car and, uh, you know, good hard racing. And I think that's what the difference was here. So uh, hopefully that Pandora's box is closed and we don't have to that to look forward to every week or to not look forward to every week, actually. Uh, so, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I, I've got a feeling we're pretty much agreeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think really not a whole lot to add other than what you've both already said. But, yeah, a really good decision, I think, by NASCAR's part because, um, you know, I think that if we went down this road of 
automatically penalizing and suspending drivers every time there was contact on the racetrack, that would not be the right way to go. Um, You know, and I said it on the previous show that, you know, if there's blatant evidence that warrants a penalty, then I'm all for it. Like what we've seen um, recently and also last year, but in this case, you know, even, you know, I never looked at the SMT data, but even just looking at the replay, it looked like the three came up and wrecked himself. And I said that previously. So I think in this case, um, a good decision to not penalize Austin Cindric. I didn't think it was warranted in the first place. And, um, you know, certainly don't want to see uh, driver suspensions due to on-track contact become a, a, you know, a thing because if you start going down that road, then, you know, you, you won't see, possibly wouldn't see, you know, the aggressive hard racing that we've come accustomed to in NASCAR. And, you know, I think that that oftentimes makes for a pretty good show. So a good decision ultimately, and and hopefully everyone moves on and and we don't see uh, driver suspensions become more of a theme this year. Okay. Jay, do you have a follow-up from you? Yeah, just a little bit. And that is, you got to be careful what you ask for. And we talked about this uh, with Denny Hamlin as well, being the one to call out Chase Elliott. Whether it was warranted or not, Denny Hamlin might not be the one that wants to see this come into fruition of intentionally wrecking somebody becoming a suspension. And Austin Dillon falls into that same category. Uh, I don't remember where it got brought up, but uh, he won his Daytona 500 victory, one of the most high-speed races by putting Eric Almirola in the wall. So, uh, and Sharon, you mentioned it, and I didn't even really pick up on this. When they initially talked about it, they said they felt like it might be retaliation. Well, what did you do that would cause somebody to want to retaliate? So, you know, be careful what you're asking for. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I don't don't really have a whole lot to add to this. Uh, I think that... um, uh, it was the right call by NASCAR is the long and short of the whole story and uh, for all the reasons that we've already outlined here. So, Andy, any thoughts on your end in follow-up? Uh, no, nothing nothing at all. I think we've covered it pretty well and, you know, ultimately just a, a good call by NASCAR. Yep, yep, I agree. Okay, Jay, where do we go to next? Well, unfortunately, it is along the similar lines because there was a penalty, um, and it seems to be maybe a little bit of a trend here. But we had the Team 43 Legacy Motor Club uh, penalized for modifying the greenhouse after the WWTR race. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunate, but once again, you know, a situation of the next-gen car is not to be modified, and I never got to really give my thoughts uh, on the 14 teams penalty from last week because I didn't come on that show, but I'll kind of just combine the two by simply saying if you get caught manipulating this race car, you have to pay the price. It's that simple. Um, NASCAR, I feel like, is, is trying to make this abundantly clear Um, with some pretty severe penalties that we've seen both last year and this year, but teams aren't getting the hint for some strange reason. Uh, So I don't know if NASCAR needs to make it more difficult or not. I'm all for the penalties because um, this is a car that's intended to be built by manufacturer 
or vendor-supplied parts, right? And the teams simply assemble these race cars. So if you make any kind of modification to that and you get caught, um, there has to be a penalty for that. And I'm not I, – I guess, you know, for whatever reason, we – we continue to see these penalties and we continue to see these violations. Um, you know, you would think that when you look at how severe the 14 teams penalty from last week was, you would think that, you know, teams wouldn't continue to push the envelope. So I don't know if we need to start sitting teams out for a race and, and completely stripping their pay, playoff eligibility. That is actually in the criteria uh, for an L3 penalty that NASCAR has chosen not to do yet. Um, but maybe they need to go there. Maybe they need to make it, you know, make it hurt enough that these teams stop, stop doing this because, you know, the rules are the rules. And if you break them, you have to pay that price. Yes, indeed. Um, I can't agree more. I think NASCAR's, like you said, made it abundantly clear. There are to be no modifications whatsoever. And it, it's a head-scratcher to me that these guys are still uh, thinking that they can get by with it. And it makes me think uh, that maybe some teams have gotten by with it a little bit here and there. And uh, when NASCAR catches them is when they get that penalty and they're taking that risk. And that kind of bothers me a little bit that some teams might be getting by with it. But um, here's the deal. Um The team has agreed that they will observe the two-race suspension for crew chief David Lins as uh, Joey Cohen, the VP of Race Operations, is going to serve as the interim crew chief for Eric Jones in that number 43 team at Sonoma. Um, So they made modifications to the greenhouse. Uh, Let's see, Dave Lins was also fined $75,000, and uh, they... uh, The team and the driver were assessed with a loss of 60 points and five playoff points Uh, in the trucks. Well, that's another uh, thing that happened, but and those were for lug nut situations. But um, I I think NASCAR is doing the right thing here. They've got to they've got to start hitting hard and heavy when these teams are not following. Uh, the rules, as they've been outlined from the very beginning and clear, very clearly stated, there should be no confusion about what NASCAR expects. Uh, and, and like I say, that what bothers me is I feel like these teams are taking the risk because some teams have gotten by with some things. Um, and I wish NASCAR could put a complete stop to it. I really wish they would. Uh, and I wish we'd stop talking about all these modifications uh, from a week-to-week basis um, because I, I really want us to crown a champion that that uh, has played by the rules and uh, represented NASCAR in championship form. Well, one thing I want to be clear on here is, is between the uh, number 14 – that wasn't a modification. That was a counterfeit, created a different part and tried to pass it off as the real thing versus a modification. Um, that's the difference between the penalty as well. As you saw, it's almost a, a double, um, if not more, in the penalty. Uh, this one, um, I know all the details haven't been released as of yet. Sharon, you said they were willing to adhere to the suspension of the crew chief, 
But they also said they were looking internally as to working with NAFTAR on what the infraction was and whether or not they would appeal it. So to me, they still have some concern or misunderstanding or don't feel that they did anything against the rules or why it is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the follow-up in the, in the next week um, as to whether or not they actually appeal the full penalty, um, which made it kind of interesting. The second thing you get, you're hitting on, um, understanding why. If we, uh, at this point, look at the teams that have been, at least recently, it is desperation. We're getting down to the latter half of the regular season, and these teams, unfortunately, just aren't performing up to where some of their teammates are or other teams. And I think that's part of it is that, that they know they're behind and they're trying to increase that, but they're crossing that line of legal in versus not legal. Uh, I think it comes down to desperation as we're coming down, getting ready to go into the postseason. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? I, I find it interesting uh, in the cases where teams, you know, act perplexed when they get penalized for something. So, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if there aren't quality control issues with some of these, these vendor supplied parts. But that being said, if, if a faulty part does show up to a race team, um, you know, they should know the rules well enough to, to know whether um, a part's bad or not. And in the case of a modified greenhouse, you know, maybe there's a misunderstanding there in terms of what can and can't be changed. But the fact is, the car is not the car isn't supposed to be manipulated or changed in any way to my knowledge as far as it's it's almost like a a big like a lego set you know you get the parts and pieces you put the pieces together you make a race car it you know so i don't understand why these teams can't seem to comprehend that they can't make changes uh, or manipulate you know the the cockpit area or whatever because you're not supposed to be able to change these parts and pieces um so i'm confused by that i guess but maybe maybe there's been some you know part issues or or whatever i'm not really sure but i i just always i always find it intriguing i guess when a team gets caught doing something they shouldn't be and then they're like well well wait a minute why did i do what did i do wrong you know it's like come on you got caught you got to pay the price for it you know so to me, it's always a little interesting, but maybe, you know, given the fact that we're only a year and a half into this new car, you know, maybe everyone's still trying to figure out what can and can't be done. And, and to that point, I, I can understand that, I guess. But it it just always it always intrigues me when, um, you know, people don't don't seem to understand it when they do something wrong. Yeah, I hear you, Andy, and, and you bring up a really good point. I, I just... I just am still a little baffled, I guess, because going back to the whole lug nut thing, NASCAR made it really clear that if you've got faulty lug nuts, that's your responsibility to weed those out to make sure that they're not being used on the car. I think the same thing applies to these parts. If you've got a faulty part, that's your job to weed that part out uh, and not use it on the car uh, or modify it to be used on the car. <laughs> I, I think NASCAR's made that super, super clear. Um, and, and yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of baffling that they seem so surprised when they get caught. 
uh, they shouldn't uh, be surprised. It, it, they're responsible for the quality control of those parts on the car. And to go back to the vendor, um, maybe it's just uh, the first year uh, of going through this. I don't know. Uh, but at some point, we should be able to make that transition, uh, and there shouldn't be this kind of confusion from these teams. Um, I think NASCAR has made it pretty clear, and they've drawn the line in the sand. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Agree with you, too, well, by and, the way. And that's, is desperation. That's yeah, I, I think that is a huge factor. The other thing is, is, you know, especially if you're trying something or you're getting into an area where you're unsure, go and ask. Uh, you know, that, a, lot of, a lot of times you, the saying goes it's better to ask for forgiveness after versus permission before. That's not the case here because uh, there is going to be no forgiveness after. You're going to take the penalty. So go ask before if you're uh, trying something new make sure it is within the rules or if it's even questionable a gray area find out first you know before you do it versus after uh you said you know you don't you can't follow why they can't learn this they're gonna learn and it's gonna be learning the hard way uh you know from that aspect um i know there were some questions when it came to the hms with the uh, adjusting on the uh, the louvers when they went through theirs and there was some question as to that. But, again, find out ahead of time. I mean, that's my biggest thing. If you've got a part that's not fitting, say, hey, can we do this to make it fit? Uh, we didn't get any that do fit the, the template or whatever. Bring it to NASCAR. Let them handle it before instead of after. Yeah, make sure you get it in writing that NASCAR has agreed to that modification or whatever. Uh, and, and you know, the other part that I kind of find a little interesting is they say they're going to work with NASCAR uh, on the penalty and determine their course of action. Um, why not work with NASCAR before that happens? Why are you working with NASCAR after the fact? Uh, you had that opportunity to work with NASCAR ahead of the fact, and uh, unless you hear it, to go along with what you said, Jay, unless you hear it from NASCAR that they've approved that part, um, and then you're not to use it, period. <laughs> it's real plain and simple. Okay, Andy, let's go ahead and go to the next uh, hot topic here. What do you have? All right. Um, taking a look at um, changes that have been made to um, – the race cars following the uh, Larson and Priest wreck. Uh, this change will be implemented uh, for Atlanta, and it's a reconstruction after a reconstruction of the accident between Priest and Larson. Um, they have since softened the front clip and reinforced the right side doors. Teams are permitted to fabricate these changes. This again will be uh, a change made in time for the Atlanta Cup Series race weekend. Uh, so curious what you think about that. Well, Jay, you, this should be something you're happy about. <laughs> yeah, and that's one. I think there were some uh, – it's been in stages because I think they did make some changes already prior to the Charlotte race um, for the Coke 600. And this uh, – I'm happy with this. NASCAR looked at it. Um, they saw that there could have been an even bigger issue than there was, and they're taking these steps. And, again, it's not a knee-jerk reaction or an overdoing it, they're taking it in steps and stages 
because uh, like I said, I believe some changes were already implemented um, prior to the Charlotte races. And then it says right here, and it's, uh, let's see, who has it? Matt Weaver is the one that posted it, that they're going to take a deeper dive into it. But he's got some pictures posted up, and it seems it says teams are permitted to fabricate these changes. Yeah, Sharon, you just mentioned it. In writing, it's telling you explicitly what to do, what you can and can't do. Um, so there's a, there's a thing. And if you come to a question, ask, you know, Again, you're, you're following along, but if you have any kind of question, ask and make sure, you know. Um, so hopefully we don't see any issues from it. It's obviously safety-driven, which is a big thing. Uh, and like I said, it, we saw some possibility. We saw the possibility of something really bad happening with that. They took both cars from the accident, kind of ran back how it even happened, and then developed what they can do to prevent it from happening as it did or even worse. Okay, my dog, by the way, I apologize if, if she says anything. She sees another. She's uh, getting all excited here. Anyway, um, yeah, this is a good example, and I just read the um, uh, post by Matt Weaver of NASCAR giving approval for modifications to these parts. This is how specific they get when they approve those modifications. Uh, so if you want to see that, it is in my timeline. And um, like like uh, Matt says here, they are taking a deeper dive later today. Uh, but they, these are the updates that they are approving uh, to uh, the front clip, the right side door bars, uh, and allowing the teams to fabricate these changes. So, and it's very, very specific. Uh, that's the type of uh, approval that these teams should be looking for when they want to make modifications to these pieces. Uh, and NASCAR is being very transparent uh, here with the changes that they're recommending. And I think it's all good. <clears throat> I think it's all, excuse me, I think it's all good that NASCAR is um, – uh, being as specific and as transparent as they can possibly be in approving these modifications to the car for the sake of safety of their drivers. Uh, I like that they didn't have that knee-jerk reaction. I like that they took the time to really study it. I saw another post by Bob Pockris where he showed some of the crash tests that they did uh, and at the speeds that they were doing some of those crash tests uh, to really make sure that what they're doing is, is for the safety of the drivers in the cockpit. So I'm all for it, uh, and I'm glad to see NASCAR doing that. So, uh, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, really, you know, to echo what you've both said, obviously uh, this is a positive change, and, and I, I like the fact that NASCAR took the time to study this incident, uh, reconstruct it, look at the data, and determine that improvements can be made to the race cars. Uh, obviously a vicious hit. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen um, a right-side uh, chassis components break like that before in, as a result of a crash. So obviously a violent hit, we don't necessarily see hits that bad too often, but you know, when they do happen, we learn from them and we try to make things better. And that's exactly what NASCAR did in this case, uh, which is awesome. You know, happy to see that. I, I think anything that improves the safety of these race cars um, is, is always a good thing. So great changes. 
um, that we'll see implemented moving forward. And, um, you know, obviously they take it seriously, um, you know, and, you know, anytime something vicious like this happens, you know, they, they try to learn from it and uh, make things better. So a great, a great thing that they've done here. And hopefully uh, we won't see, um, you know, chassis components break like that in the future. Uh, Sharon, are you still on mute? I am still on mute. I apologize. I was just saying that before you go, Jay, uh, I just retweeted a post directly from NASCAR uh, with a video of some of the crash testing that they did and uh, why they made some of the changes that they made. So uh, that will be in my timeline as well. So, Jay, what's your follow-up here? Okay, well, I don't know if it's the same one. I retweeted Bob Pockris uh, where they showed the, the video of it. Um, it's one of those when you look at the uh, – let me see what – yeah, that's the same one. Okay. Um, it's one of those of, you know, the way it talked about it, the angle of Larson's car, the increase uh, or differential in speed between Ryan Priest's approach and Larson's car. You know, all those things had to align for it to happen – but it allowed for NASCAR to look at it and go, okay, we may never see that direct angle again or, you know, whatever. Same with the safer barrier when they started putting those in. Well, they didn't, didn't put them here because they didn't think a car could get there. Well, <laughs> Jeff Gordon proved that at, uh, I think it was Phoenix Raceway. Um, so these are things that they're, as you said, being prudent about it. Um, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. And the other thing I look at of implementing this Again, it wasn't something that was going to happen every week in every situation. So rather than saying, hey, you got to have this fixed by next week, which would put a huge financial strain and uh, logistics strain on the teams, they said, okay, let's implement this by this race, the Charlotte race. Okay, we got another set we're going to change and modify here. And I don't know what all the differences are, are what it'll take um, to get those into their fleet of cars. But they're also working with the teams to allow them to integrated it's not a you know have to have next week and everybody's going to be scrambling so i think they're doing a great job in this process again the advancement is safety uh will we ever see another sideways car a 55 degree angle impact with another car doing 60 miles an hour faster possibly possibly not but it leads to other things that could happen that this will hopefully even prevent that with the softer right clip and the harder right side um barricade for the for the uh greenhouse of the car being hit i am loving am i on mute no no you're good yeah i okay yeah i wasn't sure if i was on mute or not okay i am loving the transparency from NASCAR. I I just posted another video uh, that looks specifically at the modifications to the next-gen front clip components, and I'm sure there's going to be more uh, videos coming out from NASCAR uh, with the other changes, but this is uh, they are being very specific as to what they're changing, why they're changing it, and everything else. I love it. Uh, And uh, I do think that uh, we've got a lot uh, Atlanta. We're coming up at that time of the show that I need to give 
my uh, actually I don't need to because we're on the podcast, so forgive me. Um, but anyway, I, I just think that the transparency from NASCAR is uh, really, really good, uh, and uh, they're being very, very specific with why they're making these changes, and uh, they're showing us the fans, which we've been asking for, and they're they're doing it. They're showing us exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And uh, uh, it's all about the safety of these drivers. And the other part that I like about this is giving those uh, graphics of specifically what they're changing and and what they're telling the teams about those modifications. Uh, They're showing us as fans, uh, and I think it's fantastic that they're doing that. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no real follow-up to this one. Just, you know, grateful to see these changes and, and grateful that, you know, NASCAR, like they've always done, takes safety seriously anytime there's a major incident like this and, and tries to make improvements moving forward. So looking forward um, looking forward to seeing – probably won't really notice the change, <laughs> to be honest, I guess. But looking forward to, to hopefully, if, if there is, unfortunately, a high, you know, impact accident like this in the future, I guess looking forward to seeing – um, what the differences might be, um, you know, with the race car, but um, just obviously positive that they're doing this. It's a good thing, and, and uh, hopefully we don't see a car uh, come apart like that in the future. Absolutely. You can't ask for anything more than that from the sanctioning body. Um, Jay, do you have another hot topic here you want to talk about? I do, and I just wanted to say, though, to, to wrap that one up real quick, uh, Sharon, you talked about the transparency. I think another huge aspect is, and I'll speak for myself, I've admitted this on here, uh, hopefully Dad's not listening as my dad was a mechanic, but I am not a mechanical person. That helps uh, fans like me who may not really understand the mechanics um, break it down and understand it even better, which just draws me even deeper into the sport. So I appreciate that from that aspect as well. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. Yeah. I, I didn't want to lump you in with me, Sharon. I know you've said the same thing, but uh, I'd let you speak for yourself. I, I didn't want to put you in that same category as me, uh, not knowing much about mechanics. <laughs> uh, no problem. No problem. Okay, what's the next, the next one, though, I know I can, This one I know I can lump you in. We talked about it earlier in the show, uh, road course racing being exciting and we're looking at possibly returning to Montreal, uh, Circuit Gillevenue, uh possibly with the Cup Series. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Jay, I'm glad you posted this one. Um, this is a good topic. Um, I remember um, the Xfinity Series races up there back in the mid-2000s. Uh, they always put on some really good races, I felt like, and I hated when that venue left the circuit. Um it makes me a little nervous to think at what expense this race would come at. Um, I, something would have to come off the schedule in order for this to happen. That being said, um, and I've said this before in the show, I feel like we, we got in a, a bit of a rut with our NASCAR schedule where we had the same thing year after year after year. So to see these changes take place to the schedule over the last few years and to see things begin to change and develop is a good thing, I feel like, and and going into new markets or maybe revisiting old markets like this case is a good thing. Um, I feel like 
those races up there were, were not only good races, but the fan support was always really good too. Uh, so it was always a bit perplexing when the racing ended up there for the Xfinity series, but to see that come back and possibly have it involve the cup series is a good thing. Um, again, would be curious to see what they might replace on the schedule. Um, but that being said, you know, anytime we go somewhere new or someplace we haven't been for a while, it's always good. And, and, you know, maybe this is a catalyst for seeing tracks come and go off the schedule. I know we talked about this the other night with, you know, wanting to see previous racetracks like Chicagoland return to the schedule and maybe they can someday, but maybe tracks come and go off the circuit, uh, here and there, you know, as, as we try to see new markets, um, come and go from the schedule, you know. So, but ultimately, this is a, this would be positive to see this happen. I hope it does happen. Um, you know, I, I think that Montreal always put on really good racing, and um, to see them come back, especially with the Cup Series, would would for sure be a positive change. Yes, indeed. I think this is really good news. And and Keith, let's keep in mind this is in discussions. There's nothing uh, solid yet. But the fact that they're in discussions, I think, is a, a very positive thing. Um, and, and you know, the Cup Series has never raced uh, in Montreal before, so I would be really excited to see the Cup Series uh, race that track. We've seen some great racing uh, from the Xfinity Series there, and uh, I remember uh, some really good races uh, at that track as well, Andy. And uh, there's not a whole lot that I can add to what you've already said. Uh, I just think it's good for us to see a variety of tracks um, and to see some of the tracks that we used to race at uh, coming back and, and to include the Cup Series is certainly a positive and gives us hope for other tracks like Chicagoland Speedway or even Iowa Speedway, for that matter, if they can make that work. Um, so I, I, it's a good thing. Jay, your thoughts? Well, obviously, I posted it, and I was excited about it, and it, Andy kind of rained on my parade. Even though it was something I, you know, I'm aware of, you're right. Uh, adding another track or location does then take away from what we have, so there is a cost to it. But I think NASCAR really does need to look at this as far as they've said. They're opening up the box, opening up their thought process of find a date or whatever, for two years or three years or something, it's at the Circuit Village, you know, Circuit Jill Villeneuve. Uh, the other one up there that we, that we saw the truck series at, and I don't know if the Cup Series would be able to go to, is Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, uh, another one that we saw some great truck series races at. So there of over the course of, say, five years, uh, visit, you know, one for two years, one for another two years, or, or vice versa, um, Sharon, you mentioned Iowa Speed with Chicagoland. Uh, again, of give it two years, replace it with Chicagoland. Next two years, go to Iowa Speedway. So you're in that same market area, um, but not necessarily locked into the one. Uh, that's something I, I hope they can look at. Uh, and I understand Mike, you know, always wants to throw in the logistics of it. Um, so we'll have to see. But I am excited that they are discussing that possibility, as Sharon said. There are discussions being had uh, as far as that and what can be worked out. And that's what excites me is that they are looking at it. I know uh, I thought the trip down to Mexico was a huge success again when it came to the Xfinity series. So um, 
I like it, and I think it broadens the, the fan base. Uh, we know what a support both the Mexican uh, side is as well as Canadian fans who uh, I know they fully support Watkins Glen, Michigan International, um, as well as others, but those are ones that are the closest to them, and that gives them that opportunity for us to go visit them. Yes, indeed. Um, Andy, your follow-up? Um, not a whole lot to add here. Just um, thinking that, you know, if this does actually happen, I'd certainly be excited about it, um, you know, and, and obviously NASCAR has been willing to try new things, which is what the fans, I think, have been wanting, right? For quite some time, we, you know, we've had kind of the same schedule, you know, like I already mentioned. And then, you know, in recent times you see, you know, we've had Road America come and go from the schedule. The, the Chicago Street Course this year, we can only imagine how exciting that's going to be. Um, you know, the implementation of dirt races and, and rovals and you name it. You know, NASCAR has been willing to mix things up a bit. And I think this would be uh, just a, another positive change for the schedule. So uh, should it happen, I'd be all about it. You know, the racing up there is always really good. And, and this would be awesome if it if it comes to fruition. Absolutely. I really can't add anything more to what you guys have said. You you guys have touched on all the the hot points there uh, with regard to this announcement or this uh, uh, revelation, I guess I should say, that they are in discussions, and uh, I'm excited for it. So, uh, Andy, do you have anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I think there's something else here. Let me take a look uh, on the list. Oh, yeah, this is one that Mike posted, actually. Hendrick Motorsports actually won the pit crew challenge over at Le Mans. Of course, they're over there, um, or may have already run, actually, the Garage 56 NASCAR entry at the 24-hour of Le Mans. So kind of cool they won that. Curious what you think. Okay, Jay, what do you think? Well, we knew that they they were putting a lot of effort into this, and it's already shown – um, I know there's been some concerns as far as HMS kind of leading that, uh, being that there's some things with that car that are similar to the cup side. But I believe when it comes to the um, Garage 56 portion of it, all of that will be open information. Uh, I don't think that's exclusive to Hendrick. And I know they got some other partners that are working uh, in it. Uh, again, I think it's huge as far as, the crossover when it comes to the fan base and working with other series like this. I like to see it. Uh, you know, if NASCAR as a whole can put an entry into this type of event, uh, you know, we see it. And we've seen that with the Formula One drivers or IndyCar drivers back and forth. we got Kyle Larson getting ready to do the uh, Indianapolis uh, 500 next year. I just think there's a ton of benefit from it uh, as far as a racing community uh, as well as the fan base. So, uh, I like the fact that they were over there. Again, you come to, come to their game and uh, jump right in and, and beat them at the pit crew challenge, I think is a huge thing and shows you the effort that's been put in. Uh, next step is racing, though. You know, this is only one part of it, so let's not get too excited. Again, these guys have been doing it for a long time. Uh, you might have gotten lucky, and I don't want to say lucky, but uh, beat them one time, but uh, you got to win the war. 
Okay, I, nor I normally uh, try to discourage this, but I'm going to uh, kind of put these two things in together, the fact that the HMS won that pit crew challenge at Le Mans and the fact that the Le Mans is taking place this weekend. Uh, Mike posted a photo of the Garage 56 entry, and uh, <laughs> and like you said, it's, it's kind of a really good thing that they're doing this because um, uh, it is an open book. Uh, for everybody uh, in that effort. But the fact that they, they won that pit crew challenge uh, at uh, the Le Mans is pretty exciting and kind of uh, big news because this is, this is kind of something new for NASCAR to really, at least in the most recent history, I think this is kind of big news. And I think Jimmy Johnson, uh, if I remember correctly, he's driving that entry uh, at Le Mans. And um, earlier I was trying to tell you that Herschel McGriff was coming back uh, after 43 years. He, it's the Le Mans series that he's racing. Uh, Herschel McGriff, who is well-known in the ARCA West uh, with numerous, numerous records, he's also uh, racing Wednesday afternoon, uh, uh, and he's going to be a guest um, of NASCAR and they're holding a reception for him and everything else. So this Le Mans thing is really a huge, huge deal, and um, uh, I am excited for HMS and their pit crew that won that uh, uh, pit stops challenge. I'm excited about the entry, the Garage 56 entry in the Le Mans. This is on the world stage, uh, and uh, I think that's fantastic for NASCAR. Uh, overall, uh, with this entry, and that Herschel McGrip is also going to be racing in this race. So, um, very, very excited about all of it. Jay? Jay, are you still there? Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to Andy next, but. Uh, oh, did I? Wait a second. Maybe. Okay. I, you're right. It would be Andy next. I'm sorry. Andy. Yeah. I can't even remember. Did I bring this up? Uh, no, Jay did, I think, actually. I, I forget. But um, <laughs> brought it okay. up, Andy. Yeah, no, this is exciting, um, to say the least. Um, you know, I, I've often wondered if uh, a stock car could, could run for 24 hours. And, and, you know, hey, maybe this is the prelude to NASCAR running a 24-hour race. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would want that or not. But I, I absolutely love the Rolex 24 down in Daytona. I've been to three of those races now. No, I haven't stayed at the track for 24 straight hours. However, um, <laughs> I love those endurance races. Uh, there's just so much that goes into that, whether it be, you know, the strategy, um, you know, the driver rotation schedules, the engineering involved in the race cars. There's so much that goes into these big races like that. Obviously the 24 hour of Le Mans is, is one of the biggest motorsports events in the world. So, um, it's so cool to see uh, the NASCAR effort over there. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the car performs for the full stint, the full race, um, you know, and, and maybe maybe this could be a prelude to maybe some kind of NASCAR or stock car endurance-type racing in the future. I'd be all for it. I love these races. I think they're a lot of fun um, because of what it takes to, to win these events. Um, so it's really cool to see the, the presence over there, obviously, 
Um, NASCAR and, and Hendrick Motorsports uh, have put a lot into this. I think IMSA might be involved in it too, to some degree. Um, a lot that's a lot that's gone into this effort. Uh, so it'll be fun to see how they do, and, and obviously a, a pretty neat accomplishment to, to have them win the pit crew challenge already. So um, I'm excited about it. I don't know if I'll be able. I don't even know if we can watch it over here in the U.S. or not. We probably can. I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but um, you know because of the, the NASCAR effort at this event, you know, it, it may cause somebody like me to tune in when I otherwise might not, um, you know, so I'm looking forward to it and, and to seeing how they do. And, um, you know, overall, just, just a really cool effort. Okay. Jay, your follow-up. Well, Andy, you rained on my parade earlier, but you brought a little bit of sunshine there um, w- with what you mentioned of the possibility uh, again, I gotta respect the fact that NASCAR is going over there, participating in this something they're not normally um, involved in, um, and ranking at first in class. I think they were fifth overall uh, when it came to the time. Uh, again, they are in the GTE class, um, which they were top in, and then fifth overall. But one of the things, and I think this was on one of uh, Dave Moody's uh, Wild Hair Idea days that that I called in and talked to him on Sirius XM of seeing something like this. And I think it was when they went to the Daytona road course of doing something like that, whether it be prior to the season or after the season, or maybe even in the all-star type area format of putting 10 trucks, 10 Xfinity and 10 cup cars on like the Daytona road course. I don't know that the, these, these vehicles could go 24 hours, but like Andy said, uh, some type of endurance race, um, and mixing it up between the three series like that, that put on a special show for the fans. Uh, certainly something to think about. Uh, and Andy reminded me of, of that thought. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, again, NASCAR's willing to look outside the box. Uh, you can't get much further outside the box than that. Absolutely. And Andy, I agree. I like the way you think. I love the possibilities of uh, what this might uh, be leading to. And uh, as as you guys were talking, I was thinking to myself, how great would it be to have a Le Mans race? This one's in France, but uh, how great would it be to bring Le Mans to uh, Circuit of the Americas? (laughs) I, 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 we better be able to watch this race because I definitely want to see this, and uh, I want to be a part of this, uh, even it's from even if it's from my couch. Uh, I feel like I can still be a part of this by watching, and uh, I really love where NASCAR is going with this. And uh, I, I know we're speculating here of where it goes beyond this, uh, but I like that kind of thinking in this particular case, and I think uh, it leaves us with a lot to look forward to for sure. I will say there is interest worldwide in NASCAR as well. Uh, You know, a lot of times when I look at some of our stats, I see people from uh, Great Britain, uh, Spain, uh, you know, uh, Japan, uh, different people from all over the world that are tuning in, even to our radio show. So um, I, I really think uh, that there is an interest worldwide, uh, not just in this Le Mans racing uh, that is going on, which we've, we've enjoyed for a lot of years, but to, to have the NASCAR connection to that I think is uh, going to be fantastic. So I'm excited. 
uh, as as well as the rest of you. Andy, you get the final word here. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention is I did look it up, and if you have cable, it's on the Motor Trend channel this weekend. So that might be something that I tune into, and otherwise I might not. But, you know, I've become a pretty big fan of these endurance races, and obviously this is a big one. So um, pretty good chance that at some point over the weekend I'll take a look at it, especially because of the NASCAR entry. I think that that will generate some possible new interest in what's already a really, really big race. So definitely excited about that. All right. Uh, I'm excited about it, too. Jay, I I don't know if there's anything more on our list here. Uh, for yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not seeing anything either there, Sharon. Okay, then I think we're ready to uh, go to our triangle here. <laughs> I used to call it a round table, but it, more lately it's become a triangle. Uh, for our uh, closeout of the show, Andy, we'll start with you. CB14 fan on uh, Twitter, and uh, as always, thankful to be on uh, the show twice this week, actually, so that worked out good, and um, as always, uh, to be determined on uh, Monday, I think we'll do a show. I, at this point, don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen, Um, but yeah, always good to be on, and and, uh, always fun to talk racing and hot topics. Absolutely, Jay. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the hot topics we might have come Monday after the uh, Sonoma weekend, a new race winner, Chase Elliott returning. Who knows what it could bring about. So look forward to Monday after this weekend of racing. Uh, You can follow me on social media, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, At this point, I'm thinking it's the Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the south on Saturday. But that's not a guarantee. The dirt track always at the top of my list. Of watching that uh, million, the dream, the million-dollar dream at Eldora, certainly at the top of the list. Uh, tune into that. Uh, some big names there when it comes to dirt track late model racing. Okay. Thanks, Jay. And, you know, I was just thinking it might be we've got a little time here. Maybe you can do an update on our fantasy picks. All right, I can do that. Let me get those pulled up. Well, we did have some changes there, actually, uh, over this past weekend. So let's start with the truck series. Uh, Tommy is at the top of that one at 65 points. Sam, 62. A little bit of a drop there to Andy and Sharon at 54. I've climbed my way up to 47. Mike's right behind me at 46. Then Brian, 42. James, 38. And Owen, 35. Sliding over to the Xfinity Series here. Sharon, you at the top of that one uh, increased your lead a little bit. You got 65 points. James at 61. Andy, 54. Mike, 53. Brian and myself at 51. Sam and Tommy at 50. And Owen at 42. We got a lot of tight in the middle there. Uh On the cup. On the cup side, uh, James has kind of dominated this as well as the overall we'll get to in a minute, but he's at 101, Owen at 91, then Tommy 89, Sam 85, myself 84, Mike 82, then Brian 76, Andy 63, and Sharon 61. And if you followed all that, it's kind of a mixture of some top, some bottom. So when we look at the overall, Tommy has finally taken the top spot from James, 204 oh. to 200. Yes, uh, James has been up there pretty much all year. Tommy's got his way up there, though, 
and Sam's right behind him at 197 now. Uh, had a real good weekend. Mike, uh, there's a bit of a drop. Mike's at 181. Oop, this didn't, haha, <laughs> it didn't separate us. Uh, I'm at 182. Mike's at 181. Sharon at 180. And then a little bit of a gap, and Andy leads there at 171, Brian 169, and Owen 168. Yeah, I took a nosedive this week. <laughs> uh, but I can always uh, do my best to try to bounce back. Who knows? Well, thank you, you know, Sharon, you were, you, you were going to probably win the truck race until that, uh, that wreck there, um, you know, so that, that happens and, you know, but, uh, yeah, it looks like, thanks for the update, Jay. I was actually curious where I was at. Um, and obviously got some work to do, but pretty tight points battle, really, uh, considering we're what a third of the way through the year. So, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And Jay, we really appreciate you doing all of that. So thank you very much. I am no problem. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say, Sharon, you said you took a nosedive. I, I'm pretty sure Andy is the one, though, that had first pick in uh, both series racing this weekend. I just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> that is a very good point, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, you guys. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including the website fanforracing.com we really appreciate all of our listeners I know we're doing another podcast it's been one of those kind of years this year we did have a a great guest on earlier today Landon Lewis who won the Arkham Menard Series West Race at Portland last week and will be racing again at Sonoma this week uh, was on the show gave us a great interview and uh, definitely if you have not heard that interview I'd suggest you go back and take a listen he had uh, three uh, second-place finishes out of four races, and in that fourth race he finally came up with that win, uh, which was really exciting. He had to beat Cole Custer, uh, Andy, and he did it. So that was pretty exciting to watch. Uh, and uh, Cole's entered in the Sonoma race for the ARCA West Series again this week. So uh, if you get a chance to uh, see that ARCA race, uh, watch it because I know it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, I think all the races this weekend are going to be fun ones to watch, uh, so I really encourage everybody to tune in. Uh, Jay and I enjoy doing the preview, and we always enjoy doing the Hot Topic Sound Off segment. So thank you to the Fan for Racing crew, Andy and Jay, for being here today. And um, we'll look forward to being back on the air next Monday night. And I know uh, we're looking at, is it this weekend? I, I can't find my calendar here. Um, I know we've got a week coming up uh, where Jay and I are not available, and we're going to do a Wednesday podcast. I believe that's going to be on the 21st of June. So uh, watch for that to be happening as well. And um, maybe I'm hoping Andy will be able to help us out uh, that week uh, if Jay can't do it. So anyway, we'll look forward to the weekend of racing, and uh, with that, we'll call it a day. Enjoy the week. Uh, talk to you Monday. Talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>